now boarding the Aim High Podcast. Aviation made easy. With your hosts, Erica Wiggins and Mark Patey. The Aim High Podcast. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Aim underscore High. And now, the CFI for Aim High. And the world record holder for fastest flight across the United States in a single-engine aircraft, Erica Wiggins and Mark Patey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Aim High podcast. This is Mark Patey, and I'm here with Erica Wiggins. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. And we, Erica, I'm super excited about today's show. This is going to be a fun one. It's going to be super fun. So we all worry about... Uh, ATC. I think a lot. Air traffic controllers, tower controllers. We worry about what we say, how we say it. Did we say it right? Are we in trouble? Did we upset the man with the ability to really hurt us? To cost us diversions. Yes. (laughs) And so as a co-host or as a guest on our show today, we have Nate Myers, who is an air traffic controller. And has got a lot of experience in very busy airspace. And I got to know Nathan really, actually I've never got to know Nate personally other than Facebook. But more than that, um, flying in and out of Las Vegas enough that I would actually recognize his voice on on the radio. And so when the Facebook connection was made, I actually felt like, okay, I already know this guy. Nate, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, Nate, we're going to ask you really bold and direct questions, and we expect complete honesty, and I want you to picture yourself in a dark room strapped to a chair with a light, <laughs> dim light. Electroids all over me. Yes. Yep. Yep. Feet in a bucket of water the whole bit. And we want complete <laughs> candor. You're good with right. that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, now, Nate... You mentioned once when we were talking earlier that you actually get to start to recognize pilots as they come in and out of airports. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I get to know voices and call signs more than I get to know the people themselves. I get to pick up on traits of uh, if I can give a guy direct the numbers or if he can hear my calls the first time or not. And I pick it up and it's almost like creating a personality just off a call sign and a voice. And so and that's, that's how I've always done it. So direct to the numbers. That's like okay. I know this guy. This guy's competent. I don't need to vector him yep. all around. I can just There's send no him to the numbers. Hand. He'll take care of it. Absolutely. All right, man. I I never get the direct to the numbers. I'm. Not, <laughs> um, I guess we're learning something <laughs> about you. <laughs> Actually, Nate. Uh, I think I've always gotten the direct to the numbers heading into North Las Vegas. And uh, and I appreciate that. I've felt really I've felt really privileged. In fact, Provo is kind of funny in that their traffic pattern at the Provo Airport is a right pattern to runway one three, which keeps you out over the lake. And they've got a flight yeah. school there, a lot of busy traffic. Whenever I come into Provo, <clears throat> they always the second I call in inbound with hotel, um, and they will just right off the bat, 913 Mike pop left traffic, runway 13. And they don't even put me in with everybody in the right traffic. They send me yeah. left traffic and almost always clear me to land, even if there's uh, people in the downwind. Yeah. And we yeah, love it, that. It's nice, 
Yeah, it's great because you can get, because uh, this is like some guys I know that fly barons. They'll fly their barons in doing 200 knots in the downwind, and they'll make a, a turn to final about a third of a mile away from the runway, and then they're still off in 2,000 feet. And those are the guys that you, you can bank on. You can squeeze them in and, and get, them, get them in and get them down or get them up and get them out. And the faster that that can happen, the more efficient that the whole picture goes. You know, I didn't even think about that, Erica, is that it's not just being nice to us. I always thought of it from the uh, narcissistic point of view that I am. That, wow, I am so The difference cool. between the male they're, and female pilot here. They're giving me the, the privilege to get in here, but, but it's about efficiency for you as well. It's a, it's a two-way thing. One, we, we get in quick, save fuel, save time. But for you, it's, hey, we, as controllers, this keeps the traffic pattern moving quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I would much rather have... If, if the faster everybody, if you check in, the faster I get you on the ground is the faster that you're not a conflict for anybody else. So if, someone, if I know that I can get that service out of the pilot, then I'll provide that service to the pilot, and it's, it's a win-win situation for everybody. Now, you said you almost get a pilot, uh, I don't know if I'm using your words, but you say almost get a pilot profile um, yeah, just absolutely. by their hearing their voice and a tail number. Do you sometimes, do you get the pilot that calls in and the tell number and you just instantly go on, oh no. Every day. <laughs> Every day. I, can't, I, I can't even lie about that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Your number lasts, uh, stand by. <laughs> Your number lasts. Number last. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to remember that one. Do you ever, yeah. uh, just by somebody's communication style, if they're an efficient communicator on the radio, do you ever make a yeah, judgment yeah. call on that? Yeah, I, uh, the, the more proficient someone is on the radio, the more confidence that they can put through their voice gives me more confidence in what they'll do with their plane. If I've never met somebody, if, I did, if it's the first time I've heard the call sign, if they check in and they don't miss a beat, they give me everything I need, and the faster that they can do that and, and the more information I get, I'm like, absolutely, let's, let's, let's play ball. And then I'll, I'll give him all the things that I can get, everything that I can give him, I'll give him. Until I get that little bit of a mistake or that uh, unsure voice, and I'm like, okay, well, now it's time to change my plan. Because it's that voice quality. You can pick up a lot on people just by the way that, that they speak to you. You know, so, it's it's interesting the way you bring that up. Um, because you, you we know, we all know that when someone loses their sight, they get an acute sense of hearing. And they, uh-huh. they hear things that... that those with sight don't hear, and they hear subtleties in people's voices. They they even hear somebody's mood in how their feet shuffle or walk and step. And as a controller, it's it really is that same thing. You you have an an extra sensory, as it were, over time, where everything you can judge about the individual is strictly on what you're hearing over your headset. Yeah, it's all voice quality. And you have to, you really have to paint the picture on just, just off the voice. You can pick out the student pilots, you can pick out the solo students, you can pick out new instructors, you can do it all based off the voices. You can, it's, it's really that easy. As long as you do it long enough, then eventually you can, you can really paint a profile of someone just off their voice quality and how they fly their airplane. Sure. And if I got a guy checking in in a Baron five miles out and he's already doing 80 knots, probably not going to get the best service out of me because he's already, he seems like he's probably already behind the plane. Or he's protecting himself so far out, he really wants to give himself that much extra time. And then you're so gonna, and then you're gonna go ahead and allow him the extra time, and yeah, and, and he'll get the extra time that he needs. And I won't plan on him being able to make the squeeze plays that I might need, but he'll still get every single service that he that he would demand being a pilot. 
but I'm not going to try to shove a Lear 45 out in front of him on short final or anything like that. I'm, I'm going to let him have his time to do his thing because that's what he deserves. You know what, this, Erica, this is so helpful. I mean, seriously, it it's is. one of those things that you listen to and I'm going, this, I, I've been flying for, you and I both, for a long, long time and a lot of different airplanes and a lot of airports and I'm, I'm amazed at what uh, interesting perspective and awareness this is for me to hear, hear this discussion. It, it confirms something that I had sensed because I'd kind of derived that, you know, even flying around the country that I because I, I have more experience that somehow that was coming across and that I was getting a, you know, getting treated a little bit different just because I'd be efficient on the radio or something. So that confirms it to me. Cause I also notice when my students come across a little shaky that again, you know, we're treated different and, and yeah. should be, it's exactly. not, no, it's, it's not discrimination. It's, no, it's perfect. It's reality that, that, Hey, this person needs to be handled differently. Kid gloves as it were. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's, it's, and, and you can, like, when you get the student pilots and they, they can't get their last three out of their call sign or whatever it may be, I'm probably not going to tell that guy to make a short approach to be inside of traffic that's three or two mile final. Just, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> right. It protects me and it protects them from making uh, a, a, all it could be fatal error. Yeah, so, I, I can see the, the student pilot getting a call saying, uh, hey, I cleared immediate uh, direct to the numbers landing, stick yeah. it, uh, give me the Alpha 3 taxiway, expedite. Yeah. <laughs> That's daunting. I mean, you eyes bug out and <laughs> Now, um, today's topic uh, is titled Agitating ATC. And so I want to I want to touch on that a bit. And I'm going to have to ask because my memory's not as good as I wish it was, Keith or Eric. If you remember, I ever told the story on this podcast once about an air traffic controller that asked me to give him a right 360 and it was got a little agitated. No, no, this is me. new. This is new. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um, in, in kind of keeping with the theme, uh, Nate, and I'm just dying to hear your perspective on this little experience. Yeah. I happen to be, uh, I, I want to call it, we're going to call it, what do we call the airport that we can blame everything on? Timbuk. Um, it's called Timbuktini. Timbuk uh, Tango Tini. Bravo Tango. Right? Yeah. So I was flying over the, the fictitious airport Timbuktini, which has a... Uh, uh, altitude of 9,000 feet is the top of the airspace, and I'm cruising uh, southwest bound, VFR, and I'm going to transition over this Bravo airspace on my way to my destination, and I'm in a hurry. I got off to a late start, and I'm in a, a small aerobatic plane, <clears throat> and I'm giving it everything she's got uh, to try to get to my appointment on time. And as I'm coming along, I'm at 12,500 feet VFR. I know their space goes up to 9,000 feet, but I know they have a lot of traffic. So as a courtesy, I called out on a frequency I'm very familiar with, as I, I've been there a lot, and called in, checked in, VFR, and I even specifically said, VFR transitioning over your airspace, because sometimes controllers will say, cleared through airspace, and you're kind of grinning, because you know, through it, I'm, I'm 2,000 feet under it, or I'm 4,000 feet above it, but okay. Um, but I specifically said transitioning over your airspace at 12,500 feet VFR if you needed anything. And it was a courtesy check-in. They gave me a, a squat code. I put it in the box and uh, verified location altitude, and, and I continued. And then this controller gets on, and he says, uh, 28 Mike Papa, I need a right 360 for spacing. And I'm in a hurry, um, but I'm willing to, to oblige 
And so I make a right 360. But by the nature of my hurry, I made it a tight right 360. I didn't make it a two-minute kind of a turn. It was more like half that. Uh, so I could get on my way. And so as I'm making that 360, I'm looking at my traffic on board. I've got both a interrogating traffic system. So my airplane's interrogating and get its own traffic data. And I had a mode S transponder, which is updating to another screen the traffic that I'm getting from this control center. So I see all the aircraft around me. And as I'm coming out of that 360, I know exactly the airplane he was spacing me from. They're now 3,000 feet above. And there's nothing else in my way, but as I finish the turn, the controller gets back on, and he was so mad. I mean, this guy was, and talk about hearing and seeing the anger through your headset, right? I mean, I could see him blowing his top, and he says, 208 Mike Papa, I asked for a right 360 for spacing. How about you give me three of them this time? <gasps> And I, I just, I almost complied, and I thought, he's just being a jerk. And I just got back on, and it said, negative, squawking VFR, above your airspace, continuing on my own. And I hit the VFR button and just continued direct towards my destination. And the radios went quiet, and I thought, wow, that's like, I think that's as close to giving someone the bird as you can in aviation. <laughs> yeah. Right? And um, so before I finish the rest of the story, because it doesn't stop there, Nate, your thoughts at this point? Uh, I, uh, as a pilot as well, would have done the very thing that you did. Yeah. Terminated my services. Thank you for not helping. I'm smoking VFR. Thank you for not helping. (laughs) So, because if. If you're VFR, it's a it's a courtesy to have even checked in, and it's not required. So, you're VFR. Don't trade paint. That's your rules. Is you don't see trade void, paint. Seen, that's a great quote. Play don't nice with paint. others, and that's it. To have done the first 360 was over the top for a controller anyway. I, I think personally, to, to to try and be super godlike controller and okay that you want to do it that way then we're doing it this way now right so, yeah i would have you know roger that squawking via far free change approved i'm monitoring guard see ya yeah well uh, and and i am so glad to hear you say that and it's interesting and, and i wonder if, if all controllers would have that reaction you have a unique um viewpoint which i love because you're both a pilot and a controller and some of the controllers there's times where you're dealing with the controller and you're thinking okay this guy's not a pilot. Like when I'm in my Lance Air Legacy and I'm at 25,000 feet and they're holding me high and I'll say, can I begin a descent? They say, I would need to hold you high a little bit longer and I'm looking at a vertical speed to target of 2,000 plus feet per minute and I have to call out and say, by the way, this aircraft is not pressurized. This is going to be a difficult descent without shock cooling or passenger comfort problems with ear pressures yeah. and you know uh, like you you already as i tell you that you're going oh man because you know what yeah. that means to try to punch yeah, out I've of twenty five thousand. you've been <laughs> yeah. there and yeah. so it's it's so helpful when they when they are pilots so okay to finish the story so i i give him the proverbial bird by hitting the 1200 and continue on my way and uh, about five minutes later, um, I, so I gave him, I kind of, I, I hit VFR, continued on my way, and then a different controller was instantly on the radio and 
southwest, blah, 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 this heading, this altitude, delta, blah, 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 this heading, this altitude, and kind of took care of business for a minute. And then um, when the radios went quiet and kind of they were done with that kind of that push, um, I hear this 208 mic pop up. Are you still on frequency? And I, and I got, Roger's still monitoring. Hey, could you meet me over on this other frequency for a minute? Sure. So I transferred over. And he gets on. He says, hey, uh, sure, sorry about how that controller handled you. And I just wanted to let you know that I, I, I took him from his desk and, and had him go cool off for a second. I'm like, wow, he must have really Whoa. been flipping out in, wow. in his, wherever he was at. And he says, I told him to go cool off for a bit. He says, I looked up your tail number. And, and I hope you're not offended by that, but I see that you fly a lot, and your your aircraft is is on a lot. You obviously um, know what you're doing, and and I appreciated that you called it as a courtesy, and you didn't need to, and you did that. And I, I just wanted to ask you one question. I mean, this is like he had to key the mic a second time because his little, you know, his little intro speech to me was long enough that he had to rekey his mic, you know. Uh, got that cut mic cut off, right? And so he finishes up. He says, can I ask you one question? I said, absolutely. He says, in the future, could you please continue to do just like you did? And uh, we know you don't have to talk to us as you transition over our airspace. And we just don't want you to give up on us as controllers. It's really helpful when you call in for that transition over our airspace and I'm, I'm just hoping that you won't you won't give up on us on how you were treated because of how you were treated and you'll give us a second shot wow yeah i, I love it i was i was blown away and quite frankly and and in full disclosure relieved because for about five minutes there i was going okay i'm pretty sure i was I within full right to, to squawk be a bar and say no <laughs> you know but i worried i was worried there for about five minutes but how neat and what a testament to the manager to pull that guy off the radio and say, hey, out of line. And then I found it interesting that he went and I don't know if it was flight aware or what he did, but he grabbed my tail number and went, wow, this guy's flying three, four times a day, every day of the week, in and out of different airports all over the country. Which is at, at that time, that's really what I was doing. I'd travel three, four days a week and I would be in and out of three, two, three states each day solo cross country for my business i was really plugging the hours away and it was i thought it was neat that he he looked all that up and and that he was mal enough to apologize so yeah, that's, that's huge. great and that other controller just picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue he <laughs> needs to get back on the glue nate what what agitates you the most as a controller what i mean there's because I can tell by the way you talk and the fact that you're a pilot that by nature you are sympathetic and empathetic um, yeah. to pilots. My, my uh, well, I guess one of my pet peeves is when you can tell just by the, the clutter on the radio that it's busy. It's People are moving. There's pushing 10, whatever you want to call it. There's people going places. And... And I guess it's, it's a two-way thing. It's one with instructors that are with students. When they still let the student dig a huge hole, the student needs it read back again and again. They read back the wrong runway. Now I'm talking to them again. I spend six or seven transmissions when I know perfectly well they there's understand. an instructor sitting right beside them that could easily just key up and correct it and then teach it on the ground. Right. It's not the time to teach when it's that busy. It's, it's time you can still fly the plane and learn all those great lessons, but 
if you want to learn radio communications at the busy airports, it's just not the time. That's, and, a, that's and, some great advice for our listeners. That's really good. It, and, and the same goes even for um, for a commercial bite. It's the, the say again. I, I, I don't mind clarifications. I love clarifications because those will save me when I say something that I shouldn't have said and just, oh, just to confirm, just to clarify for whomever you're you know, and I like that because you know what maybe that like if I don't tell someone traffic on finals for the parallel if you ask me hey just to confirm that guy on a short final is for the parallel oh absolutely you know because what if what if I would have forgotten that you know you saved me and you also saved yourself and, and you actually checked finals which is awesome but it's it's like if you need to put someone in position old and you're you're just talking to 10 12 guys in a three mile ring and you look back, you're getting the runway clear, and you go back to clear this guy for takeoff, and he's nowhere to be found. And you're looking down the runway, did he take off on his own? Is Where is it? i got eight guys waiting to go. Where's, where's this one Cessna? That, there's all Cessnas out there. They might all be citations. They're all, you know, similar aircraft. And you're like, where did this Where did this guy go? And then you talk to him again, he's still at the hole bars. Well, now you can't get him out in front of a hawker on a five-mile final because you got to get him onto the runway again. So that, that, that hole in space is now wasted. So now the efficiency's just gone worse, and now you have two more guys that need to depart that are behind the eight guys that are already waiting. And those little bitty holes, those two- or three-second time savers, make the world of difference in air traffic. Saving a second here and a second there absolutely is the world of difference in air traffic. So, like, if you go with someone, and, like I, and I've done it actually yesterday, <coughs> position and hold, he read it back to me perfectly. Uh, to me, that's art good. I... I looking to divide my attention to other aircraft. I go back to claim for takeoff. He's nowhere to be found. And I go back at him again, position old. Uh, Roger, I'm uh, still at the hole bars. Roger, hold short of the runway. Now now I've got to get that read back, heaven <laughs> forbid. So it's just those, those little repeats just are, and having to make the same transmission more than once to the same aircraft, it is, that's when you should be talking to other planes, not that same one over and over and over. And those get those get really redundant and, and very, very agitating to a lot of controllers, and especially me, because I know that, you know, if, if I know it's busy, you you turn the music off, you, you tell the, the people in the plane to be quiet. Your your whole job is to listen to the controller to get across the runway or to take the runway, wherever it may be. It's not time to, to have the chatter going and all that and all that. So there's there's just no reason. Yeah, in instructors uh, avoid instructing at the hold short bars. Absolutely. Let's let's Absolutely. get let's get airborne. Let's do what we're doing while we're doing it. And right now we're instructing on handling the aircraft on and off the ground. So how about let's get on and off the ground and yeah. uh, off the instruction soapbox? Yeah, because if you're taught, if you're, if you're being in, instructed and you're the student and the instructor talks to you the whole time at the hold bar, well, when that student becomes a private pilot and his girlfriend's sitting next to him, what are they going to do the whole time at the hold bar? The same thing his instructor did with him the whole time at the hold bar and talk. And they're not listening to the radio. It's not that he's taught specifically to do that. It's just that's like muscle memory. He just that's what he's always done at the whole bars. You know he's what? This, conversation. The sterile cockpit lesson is really valuable here. There's a couple things that I've picked up out of what you said, and I really appreciate it, and I, I know our listeners do. But one is if the controller's busy, and you switch over, you get handed off to a frequency, and now you're on approach control, or now you're on with tower, and you hear that the controller's talking fast and is short and saying only what's necessary and instantly on to the next guy, um, take that as a clue 
<laughs> that you yeah. need to be the same. Step up the game, be ready to say what you're going to say, and let go of that mic button as quick as you can let go of that mic button. The, the other lesson here is that I picked up on is the importance of a sterile cockpit. When I was learning to fly, um, I, had, uh, one, I had a few different instructors, and I, I liked that because um, I wanted to fly two, three times a day as I was learning, and, and not all instructors could handle that. Um, and so uh, I, I learned from different instructors. I had one instructor that the whole time coming in to land was trying to teach, and um, not just teach about landing. I'd be good at the takeoff and landings, but he'd be talking about you know, airspace and different things. And I finally, I finally told him, you know, what one of my other instructors said, says, look, when you're on final, it's a sterile cockpit. And when you're holding short, it's a sterile cockpit. There should be no conversation. There's nothing going on. But in your mind, you're listening and you're going through your internal checklist. You know, that last final memory items before you roll out on the runway, the lights, camera, action thing. And I, I've noticed um, my brother, Mike, as we were coming into land at one point, and Mike's, Mike's aircraft are connected. They're an appendage, right? Um, and, and Nate, you, you've handled him enough in and out of, of airports. You know yeah. what I'm talking about with him. And, uh, or I, I'm assuming, I don't want to put words no, in your mouth. Yeah. But Mike still, when he's coming in, as soon as he's rolling into final, he'll stop somebody in the middle of whatever exciting story, whatever they're talking about, he'll say, hey, no more talking. We're coming into land. And I mean, he is, and I had to reset myself because I got lazy. I'd be coming into land and carrying on a conversation because I'm just landing the airplane. I've done this a thousand times. It's, it's automatic. It's <clears throat> kind of like driving a car. You can have a conversation and drive a car. An airplane eventually does get that way. But because it's an airplane, there is air traffic controllers. And, I, and again, it was, it was Mike that, that I kind of became aware of it. It's like, wow, he was he was bold. He was direct to somebody who was really excited in the middle of the story. And he just, he didn't even wait for them to get to a good pausing point. He just says, hey, I'm on final. No more talking. Yeah. Sterile cockpit. And it was like nothing else mattered. He's, he's landing. He didn't care who he was talking to. And I think that's, that's kind of the lesson here is, hey, keep it short, keep it tight. And keep that cockpit sterile when it's supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Erica? Yes? I'm wondering, have you ever really ticked off an air traffic controller? I've had students do it. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to ask you, Nate, if, uh, have you ever had, um, how should we say, are you ever vengeful to someone who has just really ticked you off? Have I, I'm sorry, say that again. Have you ever been vengeful to somebody who's really ticked you off? I mean, within... Ta taught them a lesson. Yeah, I mean, within, of course, um, not being inappropriate, but... Kind of like putting them in a penalty box? Yeah. Um, unofficially, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> in theory. Well, I, uh, I've, I've had guys that, like, if I need them to reduce speed or, or if I'm asking them something to help me out and they're only out for themselves, then... Then their spot in, in line may have been pushed back a spot or two to accommodate what I needed anyway, because ultimately I will get what I need because it's for safety or it's because there, there's a reason it's being asked for, not just for fun. So if I need someone to keep up the speed or reduce speed or, or to turn to this heading or that heading or maintain at or above this altitude, it's usually for a very good reason. And when I don't get it, I'm like, <laughs> I, will, I will get it somehow. <laughs> so... And you know, if, if it's by you having to go out and, like, if you're in Vegas and I tell you to report Beatty, well, then, <laughs> sorry about that. 
So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. That's I haven't heard report Beatty. No, actually, I think I've yeah. been approaches, but <laughs> I've had so instrument I, students that have upset controllers, and we've I, I I'm used to be Orlando based, so I do a lot out of uh, executive, and we'd get sent so far west. I'm like, I'm going to be seeing. The, the coastline here soon. This is bad, and uh, you know, and I really kind of sensed it was a um, a punishing move for what my yeah. student. I knew my student had messed up, but then we were definitely p- burning some fuel after that. Yeah, and giving you time to, to be, think about it. Yeah, I try to be as as absolutely lenient as possible on students, even with mistakes. Like if if I just I already planted in my head that. I'll get a wrong read back. I'll get the wrong runway read back, or I won't get a whole short read back, or, or if I tell him to follow the Cessna on base, he's going to follow the Cessna that's actually short final. I plan those to happen, so that way I'm more vigilant. And it's not because I don't want him to be in trouble. It's, it's literally to save somebody's life when he cuts off the guy on base, and now we got two guys in a turn that neither one see each other and both going for the same spot in space, which is the runway. You know, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about it from that viewpoint because, um, Erica, you and I have talked on a previous podcast about that kind of penalty box. You do something wrong, you might get sent out for the long haul. And, and uh, I think what's important to understand here and for our listeners and for all of us to understand that it, it might not be a penalty. It really may just simply be that you have, you have shown to the controllers an uh, ineptness requisite of a slower handling. And it's not that they're trying to punish you, although there could be a little bit of the, okay, I'm going to get what I want because I need it and, and I'm going to make you give it to me. But there is a reality that, okay, this person is not, as far as the 0 to 100%, 100% completely competent to handle absolutely everything that happens in the in the airplane, this guy's at a 10%. Um, I got to give them time. I got to give me time. I got to give other air traffic time, and that time may, in fact, simply be ten minutes of routing while five other IFR aircraft jets or whatever are coming in. And then I'm going to bring you in nice and easy because I can't afford another mistake on the radio, or yeah. I can't afford yeah, you're just a problem. A bubble. Yeah, you're building a bubble, a safety bubble. Not yeah, so much a punishment, but kind of protecting the other pilots yeah. from you. <laughs> yeah, protect everybody. Uh, that's another great perspective. They aren't out to get us, Erica. The controllers aren't out to get pilots. They really are just trying to make a safety bubble. And how we interact on the radio and our ability to comply and conform um, is what determines how big that bubble is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I think it's time for us to get on to the next segment. Um, you know, uh, Nate, I want to have you stay on just with this next segment. Casey, have any other thoughts or comments because you've, yeah, you're sure. also a pilot. This segment is the NTSB report. Have I missed anything, Erica? I think we're... I think we've pretty much talked about the uh, the agitations, unless you have another one that is a, a high-rank pet peeve that you'd like to make sure pilots know about, that you wish they knew. No, I uh, aside from just making sure, I guess the, the biggest thing that the FAA looks for in us as well is we have to have hold short instructions and runway assignment readbacks every single time, the whole thing with the call sign. Or we have to do it one or two or three more times. And saying I'm clear of the left to short of the right doesn't legally count. So, you know, you get a lot of professional pilots that's like, yep, we're going to short of the left. And it's like, well, that doesn't work. <laughs> like, I, you sound really, really cool. 
but it doesn't work. <laughs> you sound so, really cool. And, and when people say, like, oh, I'm checking in with the numbers, that's awesome, but that doesn't give me that you actually have the ATIS. That's a pet so peeve of mine, too. I just put that in our curriculum. Don't just say the yeah. numbers. <laughs> yeah, the numbers is runway wind altimeter, and I'm so happy you had it, but verify information November. Like, <laughs> like it, I hadn't needed the phonetic. Oh, so, that's and wonderful. Which, and the downside of it is, is that it, the pilot won't get in trouble for those things. The controller is the one that will get in trouble for not getting the ATISs or not getting the runway assignment. No one's going to give you a pilot deviation because you didn't say runway 1 to right or 1 7 left or whatever it may be. It's the controller that will get in trouble when they get a tape check. So you, when you get your random, let's say an incident happened, and they go and randomly check 30 minutes worth of tape, oh, by the way, you didn't get this uh, this ATIS or this runway assignment or that hold short instruction. It's not a yeah. pilot deviation. Yeah, it absolutely so goes to the controller. So pilots get mad when we demand that readback, and it's like if we're not trying to, we're trying to, one, protect you to verify you will hold short or to verify you're going to the right place, but it's also to protect ourselves so we keep our jobs as well. That's, no. that's some great advice. I oh, really appreciate it. This, is, this has been very educational. And, and uh, man, we sure, we sure love you being on the show and, and uh, participating. All right, time for the NTSB report. Let's see what kind of chaos has been created out there in the universe by pilots. This just in from the National Transportation Safety Board. December 3rd, 1988 in Block Island, Rhode Island. A Cessna 172 was involved in an incident. No one was injured. The pilot of the Cessna 172 was on the downwind when he stated that he pulled the carburetor heat on, then pulled the power back to 1500 RPM. Within a few seconds, the engine quit and the pilot informed the tower. The aircraft landed about 500 feet short of the runway. Inspection of the aircraft controls revealed that the carburetor heat control was off and the mixture was pulled out to the idle cutoff position. The Whoops. National Transportation Safety Board determines the probable cause of this accident to be fluid, fuel, dot, 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 starvation. <laughs> Mixture, improper use of, dot, 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 pilot in command. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you, when you read that, uh, Keith, it, did they really write fuel, dot, 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 starvation, they dot, did. dot, dot, pilot in command? They did. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I thought it was funny. I was cracking myself up there, but yeah. Okay, I, I don't even. I don't even know what. I, I don't even know what. To, what do you say to this one? Well, there isn't much to say. I mean, that one is just a. Whoops. Yeah. Whoa. Pay attention. Take a moment. Maybe somebody was talking in the cockpit. There we go. Sterile cockpit yeah. environment lesson learned. I, I I don't know what else you can say to that you know there are some planes. I, I'd be curious. What kind of airplane was it? Did it say? Yeah, it was 172. I was going to say, you know, sometimes I see people with experimental airplanes where they, I look inside the cockpit and I'm like thinking, really? You put that knob right next to that knob and they're the yeah. same color? Yeah, you know? but... But this is a certified totally... airplane. They, there wasn't stupid manufacturer problem there. Yeah, I mean, the, everything, you know, the, the mixture and the carb heat don't feel the same. They're a different size. They're, I mean... I wonder, I wonder and this is horrible because this is, uh, this is age... Um, discrimination, but I wonder the age of the pilot, because there is a reality at some point, everybody, don't hate me or you can send your hate mails to my fake email at google.com um, but there is a point where everyone needs to stop driving a car because they can't, and there's a point where everyone needs to stop flying an airplane, and I'm just curious if we know the age of this pilot nope no. 
Don't know. He's going to have to research it. Because that, that's one of those things. And it, I guess the age doesn't matter, Erica and, and Nate. You, you kind of just go, okay, you have to ask yourself that real tough question. Was that just one of those moments that I forget to sleep, sleep that I forget to eat? Was that a one-time thing where you go, everybody has the one-time thing, I'm an idiot? And, or, or, you know, or the, am I being honest with myself? I've done things like this before. It's time for me to just stop because that's like so. And they didn't and it didn't get it running. It's like you pull the knob, the engine quick quit, and you didn't go back to try to change what you just changed to see if you can make it run again. Yeah, pilot was forty years old. Forty years old. That's definitely definitely old enough to stop flying. You're too old. Oh, get shut out. up. <laughs> it's my birthday this week. You better hush. <laughs> and it's I'm over 40. Totally, I'm, I'm over 40. It could, have been, it could have been his 20th time around the pattern, and it was pure muscle memory. He grabbed a knob and pulled it. it that's it, a good point. That, that's a good point. It, it could just be one of those, and it could be an unfamiliar aircraft. Uh, I, there's not even a whole lot to talk about there other than, for me, I, I think the, the funniest thing about the whole thing is how the NTSB report is written. Starvation, dot, 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 fuel, dot, 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 pilot in command. You just said it. The dot, dot, dot really represents, um, and, and, I, and I know this is official, Nate, you can... You can uh, testify to this for me that this is officially what the FAA means when they put dot dot dot. It's to symbolize scratching your forehead. Yeah, yep, shaking your head. Every dot is a shake. Every dot's a shake and a kind of a scratch with your head tilted yeah. to the side a little bit and your eyes squinting and dot dot dot. That's big time sarcasm by <laughs> the FAA, the NTSB. <laughs> Okay, and this has been a wonderful podcast. That wraps up our show. And, Nate, I want to thank you again so much for being on the show. I think we may Absolutely. harass you and bring you back on again because your perspective. I'd love it. Hey, that would be awesome. I'd it, love it. it. It was such a neat perspective. And, and every as soon as you start thinking, you kind of have a clue as to what people are thinking and going on. I really thought I had my head wrapped around these controllers, and I, and I feel like I've had some good experience and you know how to deal with them. But you've said some things today that, uh, honestly, uh, I hadn't even thought of as another perspective on how you're handling people and why, and and we appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thanks for joining the Aim High podcast. Shameless plug. Uh, Send send your friends to our show. We are getting lots of followers, and the show continues to grow, which means somebody's liking it. And if that's the case, send it to your friends. They might like it as well. Also... Uh, for myself, a shameless plug for the Distracted podcast. If any of you are ADD, ADHD, or dealing with a loved one who is, search on iTunes Distracted with Mark Patey, where we dive into the fun and challenges of the gifts and curse of ADHD. Eric, anything else you want to say? That's it. I'm looking forward to our next show. Audience, you're beautiful. Thank you for listening to the Aim High Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Aim underscore High and like us on Facebook. And if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes. We know you have many choices when it comes to your podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours. When you're learning how to fly, Aim High. Aviation made easy.